Diddling and Durham British Strongman Podcast. Good morning. Happy Easter. We have Shane Flowers this morning. So Shane, so tell us a bit, tell us a bit about your background and your rise from powerlifting and how you've made it to your world's invite um, and all the principles you've lived by to get there. Like what do you value? Um yeah, I started powerlifting. Well, I started training about 12 years ago. Um, started powerlifting January 2015. I was in the BDFPA and the IPF for a long time. That's when I met uh, Luke Richardson in 2016, actually. Um, stuck around in the powerlifting for a fair few years, for about five or six years, I think. And then, um, obviously, when the lockdown hit, we couldn't get to a gym anymore. So me and my brother started uh, training on the driveway. We just had things like um, a couple of farmer's handles, kegs, sandbags, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, there was actually Fit X where we were hosting like the deadlift championships. I think you did that, didn't you? Or you did the log championships. Yeah. I signed up for that because at the time I was, I pulled 420 and I thought, right, I want to see if I can get closer to a thousand pounds. So I signed up for the deadlift championships and then Fit Expo announced that they're actually going to host England's Strongest Man. And obviously me and my brother Mitch at the time were toying with the idea of Strongman. And, um, so it wasn't like a conscious transition to it wasn't something that you planned it was just no nah, like, no nah, already I'd already signed up to the deadlift championships and I was literally just training deadlift only at that time and then um, we did start training a little bit of strongman but I, when I mean like a little bit I mean me and my brother were log pressing like 110 120 kilo for like triples and we were struggling um, and then I don't know what happened but someone just clicked and we just both said fuck it basically and we signed up and then uh obviously because we were still in the middle of lockdowns and stuff the the competition had postponements i think twice so it was initially scheduled to be in like april or may or whenever it was so we started prepping in january and then we didn't actually get to the competition until august so we prepped for like eight months solid um and then uh it was probably the worst prep anybody could ever wish for um just because of the dates and stuff but then also i had so much going on in my home life um you know i was like homeless at one point during that eight months um and then two weeks out i, I was coaching myself and i was probably a bit stupid but um i tore my hamstring i had a grade two tear on my hamstring um and i was almost you ask mitch i was like i'm done i pull out of this there's no point you know, I've not even competed in strongman yet and I'm already carrying injuries and stuff. And I started that prep with a, a slipped disc as well. So most of the prep was just rehab for my back. And then I did my hamstring in. So I got to, we got to Fit Expo, England's Strongest Man, and we were, all, we, we were both fucked, both like covered in K-tape and nursing injuries and limping around and stuff. And it was actually the day before the, um, the competition, obviously we were in the expo and I was so... I was in so much pain walking around with my hamstring and my shin splints at the time that um, I couldn't walk. I had to basically get like, carried out and then loaded into a car and taken back to the hotel. And then uh, I don't know what the fuck happened, but come comp day, we just, we switched it on and, you know, we, uh, we pulled out of the bag, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. And then it, I was hoping after that to have some downtime to, you know, fix some injuries and niggles and then just kind of slowly build up as a strong man. Yeah. So, so, for, so for, for people who do, who don't know your your background and what you've done in the last say 
six to nine months. Just uh, just tell us a little bit more about your successes. So obviously you've, you've talked about how you started off in powerlifting and transitioned to strongman. So what have you actually achieved in the last 12 months for people who don't know Shane Fowers? What are the, what things are you most proud of and what you, what what's the, the next goal, the immediate goal? So I won the online qualifier for England's strongest man and then I won England's strongest man. I, I think I won three out of the six events um, I think I won the throwing bag, the frame carry, and, and that was your first comp, wasn't it? So that was, uh, that was uh, yeah. Shane being a so Shane being a novice, really. That was your your novice yeah. comp, wasn't it? Yeah, and then um, that was the competition that got me invited to Giants. So I competed at Giants live. I think like eight weeks after that, and that's when I jumped on board with Shane from MST. Um, and we didn't even really like prepare for that. We were just more focused on rehabbing injuries and stuff and just getting to the competition in better nick than what I was at England's. Um, that Brits went okay. Obviously, it was a massive step up. So the nerves, you know, the body wasn't feeling brilliant. The events weren't particularly great, but I still think I come seventh, I think. I think I was just a couple of points off fifth, I think. Didn't win any events, did pretty well. So, so you, came, you came you came seventh out of what? How many? What? 11, 12 or something, was it? That, yeah. So, um, so just just for, for your second comp, like be, obviously being at Giants Live, like, um, and say, oh yeah, the events weren't particularly great for you. At, like, just give us an idea. Like, name some of the people that you actually beat at your first Giants Live. Who were some uh, of the guys that came below you, like eight, ninth, tenth? Can you remember? Yeah, uh, Paul Smith. Um. Who, who's that? What, what does Paul Smith look like? Uh, that Paul, like the. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, no. Uh, yeah, beat Paul, beat Andy, beat um, who else? They, they, they were the two names that I remember because they came back to the Brits again this year. Yeah. Uh, but I did the best event that I had at that competition was the um, was the loading, where we had uh, like a keg, no, sorry, an anchor a keg, a sandbag, and a tyre that had to be loaded into a skip. They were all around like 100, 120 kilos, something like that. Yeah. And I come through. So I think I was, I think Tom won that. And then I was, and then it was Luke. And then I was third. I think I was about a second and a half, two seconds behind Tom. But um, Joey, Joey, um, the guy from Official Strongman, noticed that I made a bit of a mistake and a bit of a blunder that cost me around two seconds as well. So... He actually sent me that by DM, and I, when I read it, and he said, "You know, you lost about two seconds there." I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck," because I thought I thought I was quick, but yeah, that was my first. So that that, that must have been amazing to like do, like even though you finished seven for whatever, and obviously you 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 setting your standards really high, but you know, like stuff like say your static stuff, you can kind of um, speculate with like how you do you know like if you see somebody doing a 140 log for reps or you see someone yeah. even doing like a 140 150 farmers or whatever you could say right oh i can do x amount in training or whatever but and you, you hear a lot of people doing that um but something like a medley where it's kind of hard to predict where you'd where you'd finish am i going to finish like top three am i going to be bottom three like yeah. five seconds ten seconds can make one a big step up as well one little you fumble one of the implements or something That's like that. Just lose so, you, so much. Are you doing that at your first like Giants comp and doing so well in that? Like do, doing it where it matters, like on the dance floor, must must have been amazing. It must have been like 
reassure yeah, yourself. It is, but I, I'm I'm my worst critic. So, you know, there there are periods where I come out of a competition. I think you know I'm I'm quite happy with that and yeah, all the rest. But it's all I always come out of a competition. Even like the second I'm in the car going back to the hotel after leaving the car after leaving the competition. I'm yeah, you're thinking about that two seconds. Yeah, yeah. I lost lost on this. I yeah. lost points on that, and it you know um, it's probably unhealthy. It's an unhealthy way to do it, but. That's just that's who I am. That's what I do. So, but but that's it. But having that having that mindset is like like a kind of double edged sword, isn't it? It's like you you obviously very critical of yourself, but it's the thing that keeps the keep keeps you sharp and keep you firing and like yeah. say not get complacent and rest on your laurels and stuff. So, I think it's fine to be like that as long as you're um, enjoying the journey and enjoying the process. Yeah. If you- both fixated on like the end destination and you're not enjoying any of it and then you're being so self-critical that's when it becomes like a negative thing but I am enjoying the journey but at the same time I'm also being probably my harshest critic I can so yeah one of the reasons why we've we've kind of taken that step up and at the first Giants Live my goal was literally just to survive it basically and then not embarrass myself and then hopefully secure invites to the Giants Live competitions this year so worked out in the end yeah so if it, if it, talking about being like self-critical and stuff do you, have you noticed like like it's really important to look in and um when you're self-coaching it can be quite difficult to be like like rationalize things you know like say um if you were coaching somebody in your position and like it'd be a lot, kind of a lot easier to be rational and logical all the time with all the decisions. Whereas with yourself, you, it's hard to get away from the emotion attached to whatever you've just done. Yeah. Um, so from an outsider looking in, I think it's great that you've got that you're kind of building your team. You know, like obviously with um, say training with Mitch and stuff, that's got to be got to be useful. Um, but also you taking the taking the jump to work with Shane. And having somebody you like and trust, like somebody to bounce ideas off. Because obviously you, you must have times where you're kind of being, maybe being too critical of yourself. And yeah. you have somebody there who, who you trust to say, hang on a minute, Shane, this is X, Y, and Z. Look at what, look at this. What what what, what do you think about that? Do you do you find that helpful having like building yeah. building a team? Yeah, massively, especially the biggest. I mean, there's so many people involved in my team as well. It's not just, obviously, it, a large part of it is Shane. Um, but then it's the physios that I've got, it's the nutritionist, it's friends and family and stuff. But um, when it comes to coaching, I've always been pretty disciplined, even when I'm kind of coaching myself. But I just think the knowledge wasn't there for me to start competing at that high level of strongman so early, so soon. And then, um, obviously, I had a red good insight into how Shane does his coaching anyway because my brother Mitch was coached by Shane for about a year before I joined the team so um, yeah I put I just had to basically put all my faith in Shane all my faith in these other people and um, some people I think struggle with that you know they they struggle not being able to control all the different variables and stuff but um, you just need to have that trust with your coach don't you basically and, and try and remove your ego from a situation yeah. and Shane I honestly, I probably messaged Shane way too much, <laughs> way too much info at like one o'clock in the morning. He's just like, fuck's sake, Shane, go to bed or something. But yeah, I just I bombard him with feedback. Uh, I think that's the way, you know, if you're doing online coaching, that's the way you need to be. So, yeah, brilliant. So, 
in your opinion, what's the most important personality trait that someone would need to be successful in strongman? Intrinsically disciplined, not relying on any motivation because motivation will dwindle. You know, I've not been motivated now, really, for six, seven months. I'm not motivated to, you know, finish a 12-hour shift and then go and train till one o'clock in the morning. That wears thin really quickly. Yeah. But we, 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 talk, we talk about it quite a lot on here. Um, like quite a few people who are doing well in their kind of whatever their lane is. Like that, I think I find that's a common thing that luckily like a lot of people who seem to be doing well don't actually rely on motivation, like it no. seems. And uh, it, it doesn't, really, doesn't really matter how you feel. You yeah. just do it, don't you? Motivation comes and goes, but if you want to be, I think, successful at the higher ends of sport, like especially with strongman, then you need to be 100% all the time. So you can't just be relying on motivation because then when you have a down day, you'll be missing meals or you won't be doing your recovery or your training will be sloppy. So that's probably the key thing that I would say. That's the number one personality trait. And it's not many people truly understand it, I don't think. Like well, talking, well, can, can we dig a little bit deeper? Can you tell us a little bit more about, like, say, the training phase where you were homeless or nearly homeless? Like, how did you, how did you keep going during that? How did you not just say, right, fucking hell, let's pack training up? I've got more important things to 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 do. Uh, see, I'm. I don't have to get. I don't have to. I, you know, I don't wake up in the morning and think, right, I'm going to eat my meals today. I'm going to do my recovery. I'm going to smash my training. For me, it's a matter of if I don't do those things, then it really sits not right with me at all. So it's, it probably sounds, again, it's unhealthy and I'm probably on the spectrum somewhere, but literally if I don't, if I don't do things then it affects me really negatively. Yeah. So it's not, it's not a choice that I make. It's I've already made the decision before I wake up that I'm going to do those things. And I, like, I'll give you an example. If I like, say if I'm really tired and it's a long day and I think, oh, I'll just miss that last meal and I'll go to bed. Yeah. I'll be wiped bed even though I'm knackered I'll be wide awake and I'll, I, there's times where I've got up at half one two o'clock gone downstairs made the meal ate the meal then gone back to bed and then I'm fine yeah so I know it's probably, no 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 yeah. I, like from I mean you like I think you've, you've listened to quite a few episodes on here and you understand like the kind of ethos that me and Shane have and like that that's something that personally I can completely relate to whether it be in business whether it be in uh, sport like me competing, me coaching with the people that I train, like those are the principles that I complete, co- completely live by. And like consistency is my, like, yeah. You know, I've exactly. used some examples of work, work, like when I've been, like, say, when I competed in India and I flew back on the Sunday and landed at 2 p.m. in Manchester and then went straight to the gym because I deadlift on Mondays. I always deadlift on Mondays. Like, I just couldn't. I, when my when my um, when, when my baby was born and she was in hospital for a week and I just we got to the point where she was stable and I went to the gym to do some deadlift just to do some speed work to to get 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 it ticked off in my head yeah. and and like looking back there, there must be times that you could probably relate to that and think there are probably times where I should have just fucking not not gone or I should have just left it till the, the following week. Like it's not necessarily, I suppose what I'm saying is that these, the, these kind of traits, they're not actually, for, we're not, we're not saying for everybody listening that this is the right thing to do because if you tried to force, so if you tried 
to get some people to do that, like it would pro- it would send them the other way. But I think you, someone like you needs that structure and routine and like it, it just like like you say, it just just it's just there, isn't it? It just eats away at you if you until you get it ticked off, and then and then you can think about other stuff for a little bit until the next day comes around, and then you're like, oh, yeah. it's just ticking boxes. That's how it comes. Yeah. To it. Boxes. And the more boxes I can tick for a longer period of time, like I want to go into a competition and think, you know, over the last three or four months, I've ticked every single box. And I think when you're actually there in the moment, you think there's not a single thing I could have done different. That's quite a powerful thing. You know, whereas you, you deep down know if you've not been. Yeah. Un- and and p- personally, I think that, that that's a really powerful thing in, in rationalising defeat or losing or like, like to get to you. Know, if you're, what, what's your ultimate goal? Like, let's be straight. What do you want to do? What do you want to do within Strongman? Like, what's the just, ultimate goal? Just have a legacy. Just be one of the best British strongmen there ever has been. I'm not going to say win world strongest man because in this day and age, it's the standards ridiculous and stuff. But yeah, I look at people like Terry Hollands, who's done however many world strongest man competitions now, and he's yeah. I think his top top performance is third or fourth something like that um i'd love that you know a long career 10 12 15 years um making the final making top five making top three but well, that's my plan to be consistent i don't want to just be a, a one-shot wonder do it once no. win well, go. that's it you know i can so see that, myself for a good long while so that's it and if we we can project that like say 12 year journey or whatever like you're gonna fail a lot on the oh, way, yeah. aren't you? Like, yeah. and I think, and and like, you're okay with that because you know because you've got those fundamental things that you've just said. You like you you could if you go to a you go to a show and you finish last, but you've mm-hmm. ticked all those boxes, and you know yeah. you couldn't have done any better on those particular events in that particular circumstance. Like well, exactly what happened at Europe's just gone three weeks ago, wherever it was. I don't think I could have done anything better. I think. Um, but I also had the biggest failure that I've had, in my opinion, since I started Strongman was that last at the stone. You know, I was, it cost me third place. But since then, we've addressed, we've kind of realised why it happened, addressed the reasons, and now we're focusing on making sure it doesn't happen again. So I think that loss will probably be one of the best things that's happened to me. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. Brilliant. So you, so you came fourth recently at Europe, didn't you? Very close to the podium. Uh, I was I was sat in third for the majority. And then I think going into the Atlas Stones, I was third, two points clear of fourth. All I needed to do was not mess up. And then obviously didn't get the last stone up. And um, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I dropped down to fifth place. So... It cost me. It cost me fifth place, you know, and it cost me who, quite. Who, who snuck? Who snuck into fourth then? Who, who finished fourth? It's going into Stones. It was um, Novikov, Luke, me, Kordiaka, and Janasha. And ah, Janasha beat okay. me and Kordiaka come come third. So, yeah, it is what it is. But yeah, we we've sort of me and Shane and, and, the, and the physios that I've been working with and stuff. We sort of addressed the reasons why. And most of it comes down to inadequate recovery due to a lack of sleep. You know, if I'm training and doing all this, you know, working 60, 70 hours a week, yeah, trying 
all-time strongman. And my motto is, you know, the guys that I'm competing against, they are, most of them anyway, they're professional strongmen. So if yeah. I want to, if I want to match them, then I need to at least match their efforts. If I want to beat them, then I need to, you know, su- su- surpass the efforts that they're putting in with their training, nutrition, recovery, sleep, and all the rest of it. And I just yeah. haven't been able to do that sleep. That one aspect is the sleep thing since. But we've addressed it. So hopefully... Uh, so, yeah, so to be clear, I'm, get, I'm getting mixed up. You've done two Brits, haven't you? Yeah, Brits last you year. Se- you came seventh, then you came fourth, didn't you? Yeah. You came yeah, fourth. That's, right. That's what I'm getting mixed up with. And then it was Europe's where you were third going into the Stones and then finished fifth, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. T- t- tell us about... You. One of the biggest excuses you hear with people in all kind of aspects of lifting, life, business, success, whatever, is people use the excuse that frustrates me. Fucking hate it. When people say, I'm busy. Yeah, it's a load of bollocks. I'm busy. Like, t- tell us, what does being busy mean to you? Like, get, p- paint a picture of what you're kind of, like, how you how you manage to, to fit in your work your training to be a, obviously a world's strongest man athlete and balanced relationships. You get you're getting married, aren't you? Soon, congratulations! Yeah. <laughs> like, how, yeah. how, do you, how do you how do you juggle all that and, ma- and manage it all? Sometimes with difficulty, but you know it wasn't perfect from the onset. It's sort of been like a learning curve, but most of it is just about balancing your time and sticking to a daily schedule. So. Um, you know, during the week, especially that's when I'm the most busiest, when I'm training and working all the hours and trying to fit in time with the missus, make sure she's happy and all the rest of it. It's um, just balancing my time. And every single second from the moment I get up to the moment I go to bed is occupied with things that I need to do. And I'll get to work. So I'll wake up at half five, I'll go to work. When I get to work, first thing I'll do is I'll comprise a list of the things that I need to do that day. So it'll be right. I'm going to dedicate, say, two hours to online coaching and doing training programs or yeah. whatever. And then and it'll then be right. Through the list. Do you, what, what do you use? Do you use notes on your phone? No, I literally just write it out. I, for some reason, prefer just to physically write it out. Yeah. And then um, I just tick them off, get them all done. Um, I've, got you know, my no- I've got my notes on my phone now that, like, today I've got my Easter Sunday notes that I'm working through. It's like, like I could just rela- relate to it so much. Great. I think, yeah, the biggest excuse most people use is they don't have the time or anything. But I guarantee you now, if you've got a smartphone, go on your settings, look at your screen time and see how much you're watching social media and scrolling throughout the day. And uh, We all do it. We're all guilty of it. But that's something that I've been conscious of. You know, since I've been busier with the world's prep, I'm taking more of a conscious effort to be less active on social media. I'll go yeah. on there fill sponsorship obligations and do a few posts here and there but i won't just sit there and scroll anymore yeah um, so, so but, that the other day someone said about your online presence or whatever you're gonna have a youtube channel and you were just said right these yeah I, I admire that i think it's great because obviously there's, there's such an opportunity there but obviously you see, me, so not, i'm still not secure enough in the strongman scene to start thinking about being a celebrity or having an online presence i still need to be i've got years yet of being trying to be the best athlete i can yeah you know if because to do the youtube stuff as well especially with the youtube is that the quality of the stuff people are putting out nowadays you look at like the stoltman's productions and stuff yeah 
a lot of money. It's a lot of time and I'd have to do that all myself or I'd have to pay someone to do that for myself. And I'm not in a position to do it at the moment, whereas I could spend that money and that time and that energy becoming a better athlete. So, yeah. yeah. So if there's anybody listening that could help help out with Shane in any way, like just, just let us know or contact Shane, any kind of like sponsorship opportunities. You can hear what we've... Um, you, you can hear his philosophy and how focused he is. Like if anybody can think of a way that, that we could free up a little bit of a bit of time for Shane, uh, that'd be, that'd be helpful. Um, so let, let's go into like last 10 minutes, mate. Cause we're, yeah. cause we're both busy, aren't we today? Um, let's do a bit of a quick fire round. So I'm just going to put you on the spot and then let you yeah. waffle, what, let you waffle, probably cut you short and interrupt you and then move you on. Uh, yeah. but just a bit of fun so what do people misunderstand about you the most they think I'm hard working all the time whereas I'm probably the laziest person you'll ever meet I'm either 100% or zero and I'm only 100% on probably three things that's it and what are those three things <clears throat> strong man family life probably finance and business so t- t- tell us a little bit more about you about your work about your you obviously you work a lot of hours like what what are you what's your career yeah so pre-lockdown I was mostly online coaching and then I only needed to do a little bit of security door work to make ends meet then obviously when the lockdown kicked in all the clubs shut most of my clients got up and left I didn't have a lot I had about 15 20 at the time but that was probably cut in half due to lack of equipment and stuff um so then I started working at a on uh, an inshore oil farm so they're basically pumping oil out the ground um it's the largest one in western europe it's fucking massive and i do from half six in the morning till half six in the evening monday to friday um and it's about an hour and a half commute either way so it's quite long um it's not a physically or mentally demanding job which is the reason why i chose it because i didn't like for example one of my mates kane your client yeah he digs holes holes for a water company all day every day and i looked at that and it, although it's good money and all the rest of it i thought no fucking no fucking way am i doing that so i needed a job that was literally i could just it's, it's not a bad job i sit on my ass i do my online coaching um obviously i do the work that i'm supposed to do as well um but i've got like an air fryer and i've got a george foreman grill sat in my office so i'll just sit there all day meal prepping um, brilliant so if you could be, if you could be remembered by one thing in twelve years time and you've had your long career your, your career that you're happy with if you could be, be remembered by one thing what would it what would it be in 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 the context of strongman? Good question. Um, that I was just relentless with everything. You know, I would I would go to the bitter end, and I would. Brilliant. So what what's your biggest failure? in any aspect of life and what did you learn from that experience? Oh, <laughs> biggest failure outside of Strongman or? Well, let's go for both. <laughs> go on, I'll give you an easy one first. In, in Strongman, in Strongman. And then you can kind of think in your subconscious about what you're going to say, something really profound about your rest of your life. In Europe, in uh, Strongman over Europe's. I've done, I've done four competitions and everyone was saying, oh, the podium's there, Shane, don't mess up, don't mess up. And I weren't listening to those people because I still knew that I was in quite a lot of pain anyway with my arms. And I knew that I had quite a, you know, a fight to go ahead on the stones, but I don't regret 
I still don't regret not going for that 180 stone. If it was there now today, I'd still go for it again. I <laughs> but uh, that's probably my biggest regret in strongman is just um, failing that and allowing people probably to get in my head a little bit and make me think that I've achieved it before I've actually done it. And then outside of strongman, um, biggest failure. I've failed a lot. Um, going to university. Going to university was a, a just a, for me, it was completely crap. 27 grand's worth of debt, three years of my life gone. And uh, I don't use my degree in the slightest. Um, it just, it was, yeah, that was probably, and I was away from my friends and my family when they needed me. So, yeah, that was probably the biggest mistake that I've made. I wouldn't say it's necessarily a failure, but biggest mistake. And like, what what did you learn from that then? Like looking back, is that big, big, because I, I I do agree, I agree with that. Like like I've I've been to uni and done a degree, and I look back and I think I've got the piece of paper. Nobody like I've never had to show it to anybody. Nobody gives a fuck. Like um, in, in in what I got qualified for like or my degree, it didn't actually qualify me to do anything. I got a coaching degree, like sports coaching, and then yeah, I qualified. So and I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't qualified to coach anything. I had to do like gym instructor qualification, football, like all the individual like vocational qualifications before you could get anything anyway, which you could have done when you were 16. Yeah, all it was such a shit degree. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just, the lesson that I learned from that was that I, when I think about it, when I enrolled on the course, I wasn't passionate about it. It was, for me, it was a progression. Like I left school, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Went to college and did sport. That that went to a foundation degree in sport. That went to a bachelor's degree in sport. But it was never something that I was passionate in. I just sort of fell into it. Yeah. So yeah, the, the lesson I learned was if I'm not, if I'm not passionate about something, then I'm not going to give it my time. Yeah. So did did you get um did you get anything from like the uni experience like did you did you, did you come away and think oh actually looking at through a different lens like actually learn x y and z or um I didn't learn anything in terms of material learn I learned obviously research methods so when I'm you know if I want to learn about say for example um, cold water immersion now I won't just tap into Google and read the first result yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah that's I'll go into PubMed or, you know, research it, look at, um, you know, meta-analysis and things like that, and then try and decipher the results for myself and then be critical of those results. Don't just take a study on face value. But in terms of the actual material that I learned in my course, there's a load of bollocks. Yeah. So I suppose I've, I, I have noticed that that with your training, which I've been impressive, actually, like how meticulous you are and analytical, um, mm -hmm. which uh, which obviously, you know, like, you, you know, that, I, that that's a thing that I'm passionate about and, and I suppose subconsciously, like I look back at uni with resentment a lot of the time, and uh, but but subconsciously that it has taught you to, to, to taught you how to research and because I, I remember yeah. the first thing that I did at the uni the first like day, it was like um, they gave you a topic and then get and then came back the next day, and um, and they said all right look, go and research this thing and then present it. And then I presented this thing that I just literally copied off Google and I just got fucking rinsed by it. And they just said, look, they, look this is just absolutely ridiculous. And that's what everybody did. Like yeah. everybody just, just Googled it and got the answers and they just ripped into you and just said how, how, how like it didn't work and how, how you needed to research into things more and how to do it better. So I suppose that has helped me. Um, but the, the, the other thing, 
that I got from you. The, the, the best thing, best thing from uni, I thought, was just got like going out on the piss and going out yeah. like picking up girls and stuff. That was like that. Like I learned how to le- learn how to sell myself. But I've done done yeah. different aspects yeah, of me. going it out. Helped. Cool. It helped me personally grow up. I left. I started uni as a kid, I think, and then obviously. I ended up actually living by myself because the two guys that enrolled on the course with me mates, they dropped out after like the first semester. So I lived by myself in a foreign city. Um, so, you know, like never washing clothes before, never cooking before, all that kind of stuff. And then, um, yeah, I just, I probably learned more about just being an adult than I did actually university stuff. So, yeah, brilliant. So, if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> um, don't go to uni. Don't go to uni, no. Um, do you know what? I I kept making the mistake, and it was during my powerlifting days where I would fluctuate in body, body weight massively because I was still um, I still cared what I looked like. And I didn't want to be the fat power lifter. So I'd, I'd, my body weight would continue to climb. It would climb. It would get to about 125. And then I'd be unhappy. And then I would do a, a cut. And I'd go, I'd go down to like 110, 112, just to feel better. And I look back at it now and I just think, what a fucking idiot. Why well, just literally put myself through misery for no reason whatsoever? Didn't make me a better person. It just made me, if anything, more vain. So yeah, I probably won't do won't do the stupid little cuts anymore. And then um, apart from that, I don't really regret. I think I've done the right thing. I've you know built up my static strength from powerlifting, stayed there for many years, then converted over to strongman, and then yeah, it's obviously got me to where I want to be. So, so a little bit more on that. Like how, well, the thing that I've been impressed with is it as a uh, I suppose the Shane Flowers fat is like you've got the static strength from the powerlifting the raw pressing strength and the the deadlift and the squatting and stuff but um a big limitation that i see when people come over from uh, say go over to strongman from powerlifting is that they, they they struggle to move or they struggle to put weights overhead or they they, they don't have the explosiveness or the like how, how have you got that like if you watch videos of shane throwing or moving with weights or like push press like you're super explosive. Why? How, how have you kept that like athleticism? Um, I think it's because and I'm not. I'm not discrediting anybody here, but powerlifters, quite a lot of them, aren't the most naturally athletic people. Anyway, they're the kind of guys that when they play football when they were younger, they were always the goalkeeper, or they were always like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. I was. You know, since I can remember, I was always involved in sport. If it was football, rugby, I would do any sport that I could literally so I find that really interesting because that's something that that I I really value I love I love it now I'll play I play anything football squash tennis golf mm. any like literally anything I just just love competing that was actually my route into sport was mm. not, not as a gym goer or a gym bro or anything just actually as something that that, that I could could be competitive with mm. um to replace like football rugby other stuff um I was probably still playing um I was playing five-a-side football probably three years ago. Yeah. Uh, so, great. all so, the way up to about three years ago. I probably can't be, do it now. I wouldn't want to do it now, but... Be, before you started powerlifting then, like, say, as you, between being the age of being a kid and, like, say, your 20, early 20s, like, what 
what sports would you play and how frequently, like what? So I was football mad all the way up till 14 years old. And then when I was 14, actually, my appendix ruptured. Um, it's put me in the hospital and I was in a bad way for a long time. And then when I come out of that, I had no core strength at all. I was, I lost all athletic ability. All my body weight was, I was told by the doctors that I was really underweight and I needed to start going to the gym or do something to, to get heavier and to put some weight on. So that's why I got into the weight training. And then once I got into the weight room and started lifting and putting weight on and stuff, I just lost all motivation to do for, and lost confidence as well at that age as well to do anything team related, which is why I kind of made the move over to kind of training with weights more than I did MMA for a bit, BJJ for a bit. Um, but back before it was cool. So there was like one person in our town doing it and that was it. Um, and then dabbled in again, like just playing five aside and stuff every week or something with mates and that. And then, then powerlifting come. So it was really quite a definitive moment from playing team sports up until 14, getting ill, losing physical and, you know, physical strength, mental confidence and stuff. And then I just sort of went into my show a little bit and then started getting involved in into the gym and then doing, you know, single single man sports. Brilliant. So you're, 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 you've gone to your parents' house now, have you? Yeah. 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 So how would, your, how would your parents describe what you do in terms of the strong man? They love it. My mum... Yeah. Uh, yeah, my mum can't make it to the shows. Um, she's just busy at home and stuff. But my dad has been to the last three shows now. And I've managed to get him backstage a couple of times. And oh, he's, wow. he's, like a, he's like a kid at Christmas. He's running around. He's trying to get signatures of everybody and stuff. He's, oh, he just amazing. absolutely loves it. And he was supposed he was trying to come to world with me as well. But um, we just crunched the numbers and it's going to cost him way too much. Way, way too much. So hopefully next year I'll be able to... Um, I'll be able to pay for him and he can come out with me. Brilliant. So that leads us nicely to the next question. If you won £10 million, what would you spend it on? If you won £10 million in your bank account today, how, how would your life change? What What would you spend it on? And uh, I'm not materialistic in the slightest, so I would honestly just... <clears throat> We're moving house soon anyway. Um, I'm going to have access to my own home gym soon. I would probably just kit that out with everything that I want. Never work a day in my life again. I do with like the online coaching and stuff, but I would just honestly, I'd be happy just living and training, and that'd be it, really. <laughs> a boring, a boring life, a secluded, boring life. Yeah, that's for me. How, how would your life change then if you went full time on on strongman? Like, what would what would, <clears throat> how would your your daily routine change? Your weekly routine? massively so I'm still although my hours have been reduced at work now after Europe's um, and the online coaching starting to take over more and more I'm still twice a week I'm training until one two o'clock in the morning and then being up again at five and it, you know three hours sleep at this level is just it's a, it's a it's a disaster waiting to happen in my opinion which is why I'm urgently trying to get out of this so if I change if you, you know, if I make the transition to full-time strongman, I think it'll make a massive difference. I'll be able to up my recovery again massively. And then I could just put more focus into the strongman. And I don't want to kind of um, rush this, if you know what I mean. So after, after the world is out of the way, I get married three weeks after, 
And then obviously the Giants Live calendar, you've got the Royal Albert Hall, which I can't do anyway, because I'm on honeymoon. And then you've got the Deadlift Championships, which if they invite me to, I'll refuse to do it. Um, you know, no disrespect there, but I just want some time off. That's as simple as that. And then I may do one competition at the end of the year if they invite me to like the tour finals or something like that. Or maybe another competition like the Magnus Fur Classic or something. But one more competition after Wales this year and that's me done for this year. Brilliant. So finally, to wrap up, where can potential sponsors and listeners, clients, potential clients who want coaching, where can, where can we find you online? So online at the moment, my Instagram at underscore Shane Flowers. Um, my email is shaneflowerscoaching at outlook.com. And I'm actually currently in the process of designing a website, which will come out soon. So that'll be flowersstrength.co.uk. But that will have more material about my brother and stuff as well. It would be like a joint, a joint website for that. But we're hoping to get that out within the next couple of months. Brilliant. So we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time, Shane. Looking forward Cheers. to seeing you, uh, how you get on with everything. Um, yeah. I'm a real fan. So speak soon. Cheers, mate. mate. Thank All you, right. mate. Bye-bye. Bye.